the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Oh, my goodness. How about it? Let's kill that ELO for a second here, and let's get some cool going because it's time to celebrate. We are live. How about it? Wasn't entirely sure we were going to make it. We, we, uh, we started this morning with a dead board. For those who don't know the game, it doesn't matter. Our board was dead. Our power source was out. That's why we could only do things through the computer. Giving you some of the best of uh, segments from uh, recent months and years. Wasn't sure we were going to make it back, but back we are. We are live, and yeah, that's the reason to celebrate. Especially because we're able to salvage at least about 25 minutes of a conversation that we should have started at 10 o'clock with our good friend, Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow, the um, longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, a Supreme Court expert, has got some uh, expert analysis to offer us about some Supreme Court decisions, including one just announced moments ago. Peter Kersenow, good to have you back, my friend. How are you, sir? Good, Bob. How are you? Thanks for standing by while we waited through all of that, or worked our way through all of that, rather. Uh, certainly appreciate that. So, Pete, um, there's a lot I want to talk about, but we only have 25 minutes. Just came down this important uh, decision as the Supreme Court is in its final week of its session. The court, by a 6-3 decision, in the majority opinion written by Chief Justice Roberts, have basically rejected independent state legislature theory that the states can, by way of uh, majority uh, uh, vote, uh, decide how to draw their own districts. This is such a big deal. Can you give us uh, a little bit of a primer on it first and then your analysis? Well, probably not, uh, because I've not read the decision. As you know, I'm always reluctant to say anything unless I've read the decision. I know there's a lot of... I've read news reports. Yeah, Yeah. I've read news reports. Uh, You know, I I saw what you sent me. I skimmed it very very briefly. The thing that uh, jumped out to me is that Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch dissented. And whenever Alito and uh, Thomas dissent, I'm usually on their side, almost invariably. And they are more rational and uh, more uh, constitutional. They're textualists if you want to call it that. I mean, there's various different appellations that they give to Supreme Court justices. Um, But without having read it, I don't want to burden your audience with a half-baked analysis like many uh, ABC, I won't mention the networks, but many commentators (laughs) do. I'm going to take a look at it. And the second thing I'll do, and you can have me come on later in the the week if you'd like, is talk to the guy that I always rely on, my colleague Jay Christian Adams, who I've had on your show a couple of times at least when you've allowed me to guest host, and who is if not the premier, one of the premier uh, voting rights experts in the country. On the Social Commission, we deal with this subject um, all the time. It's part of our charter, and so I'm not completely oblivious to it. But uh, this is the kind of stuff that you don't want to just kind of opine on in general. I'll say this, that um, it probably, just generally speaking, it probably is something that Democrats would cheer a lot more than Republicans would. Um, You're exactly right. And and that's what yeah. that's the whole reason I'm leading with it, even though uh, it just came down, is because I know what it's about, and I know uh, and I know who is going to be supportive of this, which is why I'm so frustrated. Frustrated. We were told that this massive six to three conservative majority court was going to do all of the right things by way of the Constitution and so forth, and instead we continue to get disappointing decision after disappointing decision, in large part because of the Trump appointees that we celebrated when they were made. It's 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 uh, it's very very fr- frustrating, Pete. Um, 
And just really briefly, I'll just give you the the Fox rundown of this. The court uh, ruled today that judges do have the power to override state legislatures when it comes to how federal elections are carried out at issue. In Moore v. Harper was a constitutional dispute over the power of state courts of state courts to regulate federal elections. In this case, gerrymandered, as they like to accuse us of here in Ohio, redistricting maps. Some state lawmakers were seeking a favorable interpretation of the independent state legislature theory, asking for near total control over regulation of federal elections for president and members of Congress. The case went to the Supreme Court after a North Carolina state court threw out the GOP-drawn congressional maps first submitted in November 2021. So, Pete, bottom line is, you know, the, the people who vote for their representation in their state general assemblies or legislatures, you know, expect them to do what they sent them there to do. And right. that is, of course, to to make the decisions on these things, to draw fair maps. And now, basically, radical judges can tell the legislatures, um, well, maybe it's not three separate co-equal branches. Maybe we're a little bit more equal than you are. Yeah, and, and that's the point. I mean, you know, as I said, I don't want to get into the legality of it without having poured through the decision. And, I, and as I said, I go with... Alito and Thomas, 99.9% of the time. But this gets to why it is that these uh, battles over Supreme Court nominees and also when we have elections, the ability of, of presidents to appoint judges is so important. And, and state judicial yeah. elections are so important because we have a legislature ostensibly elected by the people who represent the people. But a, and, and this is not necessarily wrong. You've got, you've got a balance of, of powers between the three branches. But um, you have sometimes unelected folks who can overturn the will, the, the alleged will of the people. So I'll, I'll take a look at this. I'll be able to comment on it when I have a t- chance to pour over it. And, again, consult with Jay Christian Adams. One of the frustrations I've got, Bob, is very often when it comes to legal matters, I see talking heads on television opine about things over which I have intimate knowledge of, things that I've studied or things I've been personally involved in because I've been in the Civil Rights Commission or I've been involved in litigation, and they're talking out of their hat. I don't want to be one of those folks who's talking out of his hat. The law is the law. I take it very seriously, and I don't like this politicization of the law and the way people just kind of in the media pontificate upon it without absolutely no understanding or grounding in the relevant constitutional provisions, statutes, case law. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. A little glitch. Um, I won't opine about that either, Pete. What, what I will do, though, is read Article 1 of the Constitution, which says, The times, places, and manner for of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Not by a judge, but by the legislature. So, again, I'm looking for my constitutional originalists on this court, and I'm not finding them, because that's what the Constitution says. So we will have you back on. Yeah, three. There yeah. you go. That, but not not enough, obviously. So, Pete, yeah, we will have you back on this week if you're able to. To uh, once you've, you're able to read the Happy decision so. in its entirety, and I appreciate that. So, and by um, the way, later on this week, we're going to have uh, decisions that are just as momentous or even more momentous. We've got SFFA versus Harvard. Could still come down today, I doubt it, but uh, that one's coming down. It's the affirmative action case, and I'd really like to see what everyone that I know is waiting to hear what is going to happen there. I personally don't think that they're going to strike down affirmative action. I think they're going to tinker with it some more, and we're going to be revisiting this again. But, you know, I could be wrong. I've got an amicus mm. brief that tells them they should completely get rid of it. That is affirmative action, but uh, nobody ever listens to me. That is a really interesting uh, take that you have there, that they're going to tinker with it some more, but not outright strike it down. Um, I, I read an article last night, uh, What Happens After the End of Affirmative Action. It was a, a free press, press piece. Uh, and in the court, it, they declared that the court is expected to rule that colleges can no longer rig for racial diversity. Some say that's dangerous and cruel. Others say it's about time. I think you and I are both on the it's about time. But you're saying there could be a, 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 a center point. Yeah, Bob, some sort of I'm, a, I'm sorry for being so cynical about this, but I've been dealing with this subject matter for 30 years now yeah. and um they don't you know i've written a number of briefs i've testified before congress on this and they move in increments and for good reason i mean i understand why but uh it's blatantly unlawful except in certain situations and in the harvard situation it's just egregious i mean it's, it's just it's insulting to the american people what what is going on but I think the Supreme Court doesn't want to upend it and cause major dislocation. You, it is a Roberts court, as you said. Yeah. Alito and Thomas will vote to strike it down. Um, well, maybe, and you know, you know, Pete, as long as you're on that, just super quick. Um, 
what are the chances of a 4-4? Because uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson had to recuse herself, right? Because she was on the board. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Just based on when we do the math on this, and I've talked to a lot of scholars about this, I mean, we're in touch with each other on a daily basis. I think when you look at the leanings of the the remaining eight justices, you probably won't get a 4-4. But, you know, look. Surprises happen all the time, it's, it, and, and that may be one way that they obviate taking the hard case, I mean, making the hard decision in this case by going 4-4. Uh, but, you know, we'll know in short order. It's going to be uh, yeah. before the end of the week. Yep, no question. And I guess we're going to have to have you on about that, too. So, yeah, we're going to have to definitely plan another Kersenau hour, especially since we only get you for an abbreviated time, to, abbreviated time today. Pete, um, last night, um, CNN busted it out. Um, what many believe to be the smoking gun, if you will, in the Trump documents case, that he mishandled the classified documents, not knowing, or excuse me, not accidentally, but knowingly, and somewhat bragging to a room full of people at Mar-a-Lago uh, about one particular document that he is uh, purportedly uh, showing them and declaring that this one could have been declassified when he was president, but he did not. This is the tape everybody's been talking about. Naturally, somebody in the DOJ, maybe Jack Smith himself for all we know, uh, leaked this to make sure that the jury pool would be tainted and that, that public opinion would already be decided before this trial even happens. It's a two-minute tape. I've only got you for a few minutes, so I'm only going to give the 30-second meat of it. Pete, listen, and we'll get your reaction to this. These are the papers. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably... I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a, a yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. Now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, classified. Now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so, I'm, look, we here and I have a, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe It's you. incredible, right? No. They, hey, bring they some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. So like I said, uh, just because mm-hmm. of time, I don't want to spend the entire two minutes there, but he's talking with a room full of people. Not sure exactly how many voices are on that tape, but he is talking about various documents and various papers. And you heard him saying, you know, this one I could have declassified, but I didn't, and now I can't. Which indicates to those who are um, uh, prone to, uh, you know, trying to disagree with the president, which indicates that it is something that was classified. I could have declassified. Now I can't. That means it was classified. Um, which brings into the question, can he be held accountable for holding these uh, military, uh, allegedly military documents, uh, even though the uh, uh, National Archives requested all of this documentation be returned? Yeah, it's not helpful to his case, no doubt about it, but my goodness, um, it is, that is what you just heard is a political tape. It was released for political reasons, not because it has any legal import, although it does. It has some legal import, but the fact of the matter is we don't know what he was referring to. We have no idea what he was referring to. We don't know what was said before or after. We don't know the context. We don't know any of this stuff. So, uh, you know, when he says he, but now he can't, you know, he, who knows if he was joking, who knows what, if he had mens rea, what he knew what he was talking about. Uh, so there's a lot there, but it's not helpful. I mean, I'd rather have a case where that piece of evidence is not in there than having to explain that away. But uh, to say that that is somehow any kind of definitive smoking gun is way, way far from the mark. Now, Brett Baer, in his interview with the president last week, when he asked him about this, said that to the president that according and I've not read the indictment word for word Brett Bear said he has Brett Bear said that the eyewitnesses in the room will corroborate that this was a classified document that he was talking about he could have declassified right and Trump chose said not they were to. so if there is corroboration what is what does that say go ahead Pete yeah, if they, for, first, Trump disputes that. He says they were newspaper articles. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But, yeah, if, if they have seen... See, see but that's where, he, that's where he steps on himself. He says he does all the if time. they were newspaper articles, they wouldn't be classified. Newspapers are yeah. public consumption. So you can't he, say, he, I could have declassified this before, but I can't now. How would you be referring to a newspaper article, which would never be classified in the first place? That's where this gets ugly for him. It does. And as I said before, I'd rather be in a position where I don't have to defend those statements. But I still think that it's not anything definitive. I don't think it's, it, it is a smoking gun, but it's not a lethal gun. 
Um, but, you know, we'll see what he has to say. I, I, as Trump likes, Trump likes to say himself, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, well, you know what is definitive, not- though, Peter? What is definitive is that the DOJ continues to leak. I want to know how this kind of stuff, yeah. anything that's potentially damaging to Donald Trump, finds its way to CNN or the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever, anything that's damaging to Joe Biden, including all of his Hunter Biden travails, are buried they're not, I mean, my gosh, even things that are legitimately, justifiably published for public consumption, they find a way to bury. But something that has no business being brought to the public like this in a pending case that is set for trial, uh, they, they somehow find a way to get these things to the press. That, that to me, is something that, that is more concerning, quite frankly, than what Trump said on the tape. What's really astonishing, Bob, is, well, and it's not astonishing, we both... I, I'm sure, have heard from multiple sources, uh, groups of people, people who are extremely sober, judicious, very conservative, not just politically conservative, but conservative in their, their entire world outlook, who will say things like, I think the country is over, or I've never seen anything quite like this before, or we can't come back from this. You've got a Victor Davis Hanson, for example, is, uh, among people we know. But I hear it from everyday people like I've never heard it before. And this is one of the reasons, because we have gotten... Major institutions, whether it be the Department of Justice, whether, you know, and the FBI therein, whether it be the media that is so blatantly corrupt, it's astonishing what's going on here. Joe Biden, we've got tape now on Joe Biden, you know, or, or Hunter Biden saying, you know, I'm here with my dad, you know, where's the five million? Five million appears three days later, and we've never heard. What, what are the Bidens selling? Are they producing widgets for the Chinese? What are they selling? What services are they <laughs> They have what, no business. What, yeah, they have yeah, no products what, or exactly. services they can There's offer. Nothing. What is that They've money got one for? product, and that is right. influence. That's all they've got. And yet the media, well, now they're starting to wake up a little bit because this is so astonishing and blatant you can't cover it up. But nonetheless, they, they aren't going after it with the kind of rabid, rabid pursuit that if Trump spits on the sidewalk, sidewalk they go after. Um, but it's starting to break down a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the institutions of the Department of Justice, the media, the executive branch, it's, it's extraordinary. You cannot survive like this when you've got this kind of politicization and the, the dual standards and weaponizing of the government. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the people who are the strongest patriots I know, and that is most conservatives. These are the folks who uphold the institutions of this country, who hold them dear, who fight our wars, who police our streets, who make the, the trains run on time. These, for the first time, are people who are saying, it's over, game over. I, and they're no longer without any, they're without faith in the institutions. And when that happens, the institutions, to the extent they haven't already crumbled, will fall. Uh, that's the kind of danger we have. This is how these folks are playing with fire. The Mayor Garland's, the Christopher Ray's, and of course, Biden doesn't even know what he's doing, but uh, he's just kind of, you know, stumbling around in the dark and knocking things over. But, uh, and, and let's face it, though, let's not just say that he's completely stupid, which he is, and I've said a number of times <laughs> before, but, but um, beyond that, he is malevolent. This is a guy who is corrupt on steroids. The, the evidence is there. You don't have to have somebody adjudicated. I'm not saying that there's been an adjudication that Biden is corrupt, but anybody over the age of 12 and a half looks at this evidence and says, my goodness, you can come to your own political conclusions as to what's happened, and it's not good. Peter, um, Merrick Garland said earlier, was it maybe it was toward the end of last week, when uh, the, the, the question was brought up that you and I are talking about right now, disparate treatment between Trump and, and Biden, between what is leaked and, and, and what the media's role is and, uh, you know, compared to uh, what it is with, uh, with the Democrats and so forth. Um, he said that calling our justice system a two-tiered system of justice that is not what justice for all is an attack on democracy it's a threat to our democracy to even question whether or not they approach things uh, differently for people of different political persuasions different parties different ideologies it's, it's an attack on democracy what would you say to merrick garland if you if you could i can't sit in the air <laughs> do your best um yeah well you know it's uh, what is it? Moi. I mean, he thinks that he is the Justice Department, that he is the state. And yeah, we get to question all of our institutions in depth when we start to see something looking as biased, as corrupt as it is right now. It pains me as a lawyer to say that. And in fact, I think I mentioned on your show, 
I argued in front of Mayor Garland when he was in the D.C. Circuit. And I remember coming back to my colleagues and saying, you know, he was really good. Um, he asked, you know, very, very intelligent questions, and he, I thought he was fair and everything else like that. Um, he should have stayed on the bench, frankly, uh, because as a, an attorney general, he is a disaster. He is a biased disaster. It's, it's, um, I, I don't know what else to say beyond that. I really don't, Bob. This is, this is very, very disconcerting. Yeah, uh, it, it really is. And you mentioned earlier, you, you touched it briefly, and we got about three minutes left here, um, the WhatsApp. It wasn't a tape. That one wasn't a We still haven't heard the grass. It's amazing. You know, the, the, um, the Trump tape here gets released to CNN in almost, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with, with, with no delay whatsoever. The 17 phone calls that Senator Grassley apparently has recordings of, of Burisma executives with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, 15 to Hunter and 2 to Joe, those haven't found their way to the media yet. I wonder why that is. Joe, yeah, right, right, exactly. I, I mean, you know, Chuck Grassley is not, uh, you know, is not breaking the rules, and 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 but and the left obviously does, and that's what they expect. But to the point that WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden, Peter, their argument is there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden was actually sitting next to Hunter when he said, "My father's sitting right sitting right next to me," uh, and we expect this payment, and we expect this to be uh, to hear back from uh, from you immediately, and by immediately I mean by tonight, or else you're right. going to find out. And Peter. There are photographs of Hunter Biden in Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home that day, digital date yep. and time on them that yep. were found on the laptop from hell that he left behind when he was in one of his uh, his you know cracked out stupors. Um, so he's in Joe's house, and I'm, I'm just guessing here, I don't know this, but probably not in Joe's house when Joe isn't home. It's Joe's house, it's not Hunter's house. So if Joe is home and Hunter's sending that message, which again is also digitally time stamped, uh, you know, and they're in the same location, I mean, it's pretty doggone difficult to believe that Joe wasn't there and, and Joe has never had conversations with Hunter about his business dealings with Hunter in his home making those statements on, on WhatsApp. I don't want to hear from anybody who says that there's no evidence when those same folks who say that are the folks who claim that there was a tape showing that Trump was in Moscow with prostitutes urinating on beds. These are the people who pushed this for four years, constantly saying the walls are closing in, coming up with the most ridiculous explanations for what's going on, and all of it, every iota, the the dot on top of the I, the the cross on top of the T, everything was false about that, but they ran on it for four years, awarded themselves Pulitzer Prizes, and now all of a sudden they've got journalistic integrity and are asking questions, oh, there's no evidence. Sorry, that ship sailed. Wham with the right hand. That is a slam dunk worthy of a call of the late great Joe Tate. Terrific stuff. Peter Now we will have you back on later this week. We'll get into the uh, Supreme Court decisions and much more. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Bob. Uh, that's Kersenow. We're bringing us up to the 11 o'clock hour. On the other side, we've got a scheduled conversation with Gordon Chang, and Gordon is going to talk to us about American foreign policy vis-a-vis China and Taiwan. One American diplomat, our Secretary of State, says we do not support Taiwanese independence. The President of the United States says we do. Who the hell is running the show in the White House? We're going to talk to Gordon Chang about that and what it means to you. Coming up, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All righty then. Hour number three underway. Excuse me, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for sticking with us today. We had a tough uh, start to the morning. We had some tech glitches and power outages. We made it, made it through with some terrific best of material. 
Finally came back live with Peter Kersenow. Thanks to him for doing a half an hour with us. We do plow forward now with our scheduled uh, conversations. And the next one is going to be a good one. Gordon Chang is an author. The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. We spoke uh, a couple of months ago about this, and now it is time to look a little bit deeper inside to the threat of China and what U.S. policy actually is toward China, particularly as it pertains to Taiwan, which is such an extraordinarily important technological partner of the United States and the Western world. Gordon Shank, thank you for coming back with us on AM 1420, The Answer here in Cleveland. Good to have you. How are you, sir? I'm fine, and thank you so much, Bob. It's a pleasure. I've got a lot to talk about, and uh, you've given me more, really, since uh, this morning started. You've been very active on Twitter. I'll encourage people to follow you on Twitter at GordonChang.com, GordonChang.com. So, Gordon, um, let's start with the the most important issue. You were the first person I thought of when I heard Tony Blinken essentially change U.S. policy toward Taiwan, as it was explained by the President of the United States. Let me set the table here before we hear Blinken. <clears throat> Joe Biden in 2021, October of 2021, uh, during a CNN town hall, was asked um, if the United States would protect Taiwan if China attacked. And Joe Biden said, yes, we have a commitment to do that. Fast forward one year to 2022, and Joe Biden was asked about Chinese independence. And uh, President Biden at that time said this, or excuse me, Taiwanese independence, beg pardon. And he said this. And Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging them being independent. We're not. Let, that's their decision. That's their decision. So first, we're going to help support Taiwan against China. Second, it's up to Taiwan if they want to be independent. We're neutral in that in that area. And now here comes um, uh, here comes uh, Tony Blinken. Come on, Secretary Blinken. On Taiwan, I reiterated the long-standing U.S. one-China policy. Uh, that policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain... We'll stop it right there. We do not support uh, Taiwan independence. Gordon Chang, who the hell is making policy uh, with, with regard to China and Taiwan in the United States government? That's a great question, because after the four times that reporters asked President Biden about whether we would defend Taiwan militarily, Biden, as you pointed out, said yes. But um, right after that, uh, his subordinate said, no, you know, we're going to we have a policy of strategic ambiguity and we're not going to tell anyone what we're going to do. So there's disarray in the administration. The Chinese have seen that. And unfortunately, that further erodes deterrence. The Chinese don't believe that we're a factor in the world anymore, and so uh, right now is a very dangerous moment. Gordon, um, China is obviously a, a critical partner. We all know about uh, you know the chip manufacturing that goes on there and uh, the way we the way we use uh, uh, Taiwanese products and American in virtually all American products, and it's true across really the globe. If we have to start manufacturing those um, uh, chips at the level and at the uh, volume that that uh, that Taiwan is able to produce them, um, it's going to price virtually everything that uses them out of uh, out of the market for the average middle class American. Do we have a financial interest in shifting position back to where Biden was and saying one one China policy is is perhaps something that we need to revisit right now? Maybe we do need to say we're going to defend Taiwan uh, against a threat from the Chinese. I, I believe that we certainly need to do so, and it's not just chips. And by the way, um, one company in Taiwan, TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company makes 92% of the world's made-to-order chips. Those are the most sophisticated. Nobody in the United States, we, we design the world's most sophisticated chips, but we can't make any of them. So, yeah, there is the issue of semiconductors. Gordon, but it's really Gordon, Gordon please explain that. Uh, we designed it. Why can't we mass-produce them? Because um, our, industry, our chip companies decided it was cheaper to make them abroad, and so they have uh, shipped off um, uh, you know our manufacturing capabilities, and uh, it's just it was just a decision that uh, it was cheaper to make stuff abroad, and this was not just semiconductors. This was other things. So the Americans, we really designed some pretty good stuff, but as I said, we don't have the fabs in order to produce them. We're starting to rebuild our ability to make semiconductors, but it's going to take a very long time. 
a couple decades, uh, probably, according to you know most people who look at this. We're talking with Gordon Chang. Gordon Chang is an author and a reporter and a writer. His uh, uh, One of his most important books, The Great U.S.-China Tech War, along with Losing South Korea. Uh, Gordon's most recent and most important is The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. So uh, let's, let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about what just happened in Russia and what continues to happen. The Russian-Ukrainian war was only a few short months ago that Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping got together to talk about their mutual enemy or adversary in the United States. Now there is this move by the... Um, uh, the Wagner Group to potentially go to Moscow and essentially overtake the government there. I don't know what this does to the mindset of a of a of a dictator like Vladimir Putin, but uh, I have a feeling that it's whatever it is, it's going to um, it's going to involve the Chinese as well, especially given the collaboration between the two leaders. What do you think? Yes, I mean, uh, you go back to just before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping on February 4th, 2020, they declared their no-limits partnership in that 5,300-word joint statement. Mm-hmm. So anything that shakes Russia is going to shake China as well. And on March 22nd, when Xi Jinping was bidding farewell to Vladimir Putin in Moscow after their 40th in-person chat, Xi Jinping said, look, um, change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years, and you and I, he's talking to Putin, and you and I are driving this change together. So the Chinese see Putin as an essential ally, and um, if Putin's in trouble, that means China's challenge to the world is in trouble. We're talking with Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, you tweeted about this. I want you to give a little bit more of a, an in-depth uh, analysis of it. Chinese nationals crossing the U.S. border with really disturbing intentions, and not just disturbing intentions, but in disturbing numbers as well. Um, you know, a lot of people have been chronic- chronicling, uh, you know, the, the illegal border crossers. There's so much more than just Mexican or Central American migrant workers. They're coming from some of our strategic, like I said, adversaries uh, locations, including China, in very very large numbers. What do you think their intention is? Yeah, it's certainly what we're seeing in Central Americans, not so much Mexicans, um, because Central America has been devastated. And we're seeing them come from Venezuela, which is a real worry. But, you know, in terms of China, uh, the number of Chinese migrants is skyrocketing. And there are two things to be concerned about. One of them is that this shows distress in China, that the Chinese regime is falling apart from the bottom. Um, But more important, or at least more immediate, is that um, there appears to be mixed in with that group of migrants, um, Chinese military or Chinese Ministry of State Security agents who are coming to commit acts of sabotage in America. Um, We're seeing uh, packs, packs of males of military age, unattached to family groups, pretending not to speak English. And... um, you know, the great force correspondent Michael Yan, who was in the Darien Gap for months, says this is clearly um, Chinese military. So what we have got right now is a lot of Chinese military, and some say as many as 10,000 in America, waiting to strike our country when they are given the orders. Yeah, and I'm glad you hit that number. I was going to give it to uh, Mark Green of Tennessee said 10,000 plus Chinese nationals have been apprehended just in fiscal year 2023 to say nothing of 22, 21 before that. And what is coming, that's an increase of 300 percent plus uh, from from the year prior. So this is this is alarming. And Gordon, um the number of ways that China can attack, using that word uh, figuratively, uh, the United States, is is seemingly limitless. You also tweeted about TikTok. Um, most people know because it has been declared to be essentially spyware. TikToks on every phone in America, it would seem, uh, it would seem uh, allow uh, the Chinese uh, to uh, access virtually everything that is on that phone, and there's been a there's been an effort to try to slow that down. Project Texas uh, is something you tweeted about. Can you tell us more? Yeah, Project Texas is TikTok's proposal to um, ensure data security. Now, TikTok has violated every promise to the United States about data security um, because TikTok data is can be viewed in the in China, can't be viewed by TikTok's employees in the U.S. Um, And so they proposed this idea of basing their servers in Texas, um, big data farm, um, 
But I don't think that it is an answer to the problems. But, you know, the other issue of TikTok is that China uses the TikTok algorithm to curate content. In other words, to amplify Chinese propaganda, um, glorify drug use, push critical race theory, divisions among Americans, foment violence on American streets, which, by the way, is an act of war. And so, really, I don't care about data security as much as I care about China being able to um, basically divide the American people, get them hooked on drugs. And that is, to me, the more important of the two critical national security challenges that TikTok poses. Uh, Gordon Chang is uh, the uh, senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute. In addition to being an author, very important books include uh, the coming China war. Excuse me, the coming collapse of China and the Great China U.S. Uh, Great U.S. China Tech War. Let's get that exactly right. Uh, last thing, as long as we're talking about all the threats that China poses to the United States, is that spy balloon. We talked about it earlier. Uh, now Joe Biden has essentially dismissed it in a conversation earlier. Uh, I think it was the end of last week. He said uh, there was really nothing there. They didn't really do anything. It was nothing that was uh, that was really of a great concern. He was criticized heavily for letting that thing traverse the entire continental U.S. before it finally was shot down over the Atlantic. Um, what, what do you think the, the, the threat there was from China, and how dangerous is it for the President of the United States to dismiss it as nothing? Yeah, we don't need the President of the United States to amplify Communist Party talking points from the Oval Office, or at least in this case from the South Lawn. Um, that spy balloon hovered over our nuclear weapons sites, and so they were serving the U.S. for a strike with their nukes. But, you know, in a, in a bigger sense, what this showed was China's utter disrespect for the United States, that they think that they could fly this large object over our country you know, surveil our most sensitive sites and get away with it. And that shows a very dangerous mentality in Beijing. And, you know, people may think that a war with China is inconceivable. No, it's not. I mean, Henry Kissinger on the 7th of this month said war with China is actually probable. Probable is the word he used. And when you can see the Chinese mentality from the spy balloon, yeah, you can see it's coming, and we Americans are not prepared. We do not have a president who believes war is coming. He's not preparing us, and so we could lose our country, even though we're much stronger than China. Well, first of all, he doesn't just think that he can do that. He can do that. He did that, and there were no repercussions whatsoever, nothing done by the Biden administration in the form of sanctions or, or any kind of even public repudiation of what they did with those balloons, as you say, hovering over military installations and nuclear sites. So he can do that. But you add that, gathering of intelligence by way of the spy balloon, gathering information from Lord knows how many different devices by way of TikTok, and yes, now thousands upon thousands of Chinese nationals crossing our border illegally, how can anyone not think that war with China is a possibility? Well, you know, it's... If not a probability, as you said. We, we did not think that Islamic terrorism was a problem, even after Islamic terrorists killed six people in New York in 1993 by setting off a bomb under the North Tower of the World Trade Center. We Americans are oblivious to what our enemies say. Biden won't even call the Chinese an adversary. This is an American problem. It runs deep in our psyche. We just believe that nobody can touch us. And so because of that, um, we can lose our country. And we will lose our country because we will be in a war. And that war, in all probability, will not stay conventional. My, my fear isn't that people, meaning citizens, uh, understand or don't understand the threat of China. My fear is that our leaders don't, or they're, at least they're not being honest with us. When Biden made that statement about the balloon, Gordon, he said it's not a major breach. It was a violation of international law. It's our airspace, and once it comes into our space, we can do what we want with it, end quote. That's the point. We can do whatever we want with it, and what he wanted to do with it was let it go. Let it continue to hover, gather information, and everything else that that the Chinese wanted to have it relate to them before they went ahead and shot it down over the water. The fact that he said we have the right to do what we want with it, and we wanted to do nothing with it, essentially says that he doesn't take the threat of China seriously. Well, he's not defending us, and he has his most solemn constitutional obligation is to defend the United States from foreign attack. He's completely failed to do that, whether we're talking about fentanyl, COVID, or the spy balloon. And that's why um, we are in mortal danger as a country, um, and we are going to be in a war 
which we are totally unprepared for, um, because we can stop this. We can deter China. But the Biden administration is doing those things that actually encourage war, because after that spy balloon, you know, we postponed taking measures that had been scheduled because we didn't want to anger China. That's Reuters reporting. And that shows you the administration is opening the door to history's next great conflict. Gordon Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China. He's also the author, author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War. All of these things are uh, are front and center right now. Follow Gordon uh, at gordonchang.com on Twitter. Also, uh, or excuse me, at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. I want to get that straight. My apologies. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Also, uh, follow his website, gordonchang.com, for the latest information on the threat of China and what we in the United States are hopefully doing about it. Gordon Chang, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your diligent work on this and sounding the alarm. We need uh, we need that wake-up call. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate being on your air. Thank you very much. We'll do it again. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And the website is gordonchang.com. I may have uh, flubbed those a little bit earlier. I want to be clear. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter and gordonchang.com. It's 1126. We'll take this to the bottom. And then we'll finally have a segment for some phone calls if you want to make them. The last segment of the broadcast will be yours at 216-901-0945. Right back. the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer oh yes indeed it is 11 34 thanks for being with us what an interesting day on this tuesday we only got a half of our cursing now fix so we'll get him uh, on a little bit later this week for another full hour you know end up net we'll have more cursing now because we usually get him for an hour and now i'll have him for this half hour and i'll get him for a full hour later this week so net on net it's good for us Thanks to uh, Peter, thanks to uh, Gordon Chang as well, and thanks to Johnny Hiles and our man Jimmy the Greek, uh, who worked their tails off getting our technical problems fixed during the first uh, hour and a half of the program this morning. We had some best stuff for you while, while, while they uh, worked through that, so we certainly appreciate that. And I appreciate you for sticking around as well. So I want to I give you something <clears throat> that I've been sitting on for a few days now, for reasons that will remain undisclosed. But... Um, the reason that the Trump tape was dropped last night by somebody in the Department of Justice leaking it to CNN should be obvious to you, right? It should be very, very obvious. The reason the Trump tape of the alleged, you know, the the alleged smoking gun, uh, if you will, <clears throat> um of him uh, talking about a document that he could have declassified that he didn't declassify and now he can't because he's not president that whole thing that is a big part of the uh, uh, the indictment against him in the uh, classified documents trial the reason that dropped last night there has to be only one reason and that would be that they had to take the attention off of this the one the the text message from the WhatsApp from 2017 that the FBI has been holding on to, that according to whistleblowers, they refused to acknowledge, they refused to investigate, and they refused to turn over. Proof positive that Hunter Biden was not only extorting foreign countries such as Ukraine and China for millions, but that he was doing so in concert with his dad. Even though dad continues to say, well... I've never talked to my son at all about his overseas business dealings. Never once. Never once. You're president, vice president for eight years. Your son's on a Burisma board in Ukraine and on a Chinese energy company board, and he's making millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And he never once came to you and said, Dad, Dad, man, I'm, 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 I'm on my way. I'm on a board an energy board in Burisma, you wouldn't believe what they're paying me. He's never talked to you about that once. And you never said, really, what do you do for that board? Do you know anything about energy, son? Did you learn Ukrainian? How about Chinese? Did you? you never talked about it, right? But then in 2017, this WhatsApp message was indeed made available to the FBI. And the FBI did nothing with it, according to whistleblowers. 
It reads, quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. This is Hunter Biden's text to Chinese businessman, his partner, Henry Zhao. And it continues. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like father and son were in business together. That sounds to me like father and son were indeed discussing overseas business and some of Hunter's um, millions as he demanded millions in the name of his father. But when I think about these, and that, by the way, is why the Trump tape was released last night, to take attention away from this, because that is a smoking gun. That, along with the tapes held by Chuck Grassley, which hopefully we will hear sooner rather than later, indicating Hunter's deals with the Ukrainian executive, Shows, shows us that father and son are indeed working in tandem here. That's the reality of it all. My child called me up just the other day. He said, Dad, I need some crack. Can you help me today? And I had lots of cash. But bills to pay He said, don't worry dad, I'll find another way He was smoking for I knew it And away he flew Saying I'm gonna be like you Dad, you know I'm gonna be like you And Hunter's in the basement With a silver spoon The hookers and drugs Were gonna be there soon When you're coming home Dad, I don't know when I'll be good and high by then Dad yeah, I'll be good and high by then. Picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re- even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I'm very proud of my son. My son came around just the other day. He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid. Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay. Will anyone know? He said, no, no way. And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim and said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm gonna be like him He's he's fixed it, he's worked on it And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon Ukrainian bribes, we're gonna be there soon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll put aside your 10%, Dad I'll always have your 10% So, honey, what are you doing? I said, Dad, I'm fine He said, you're not fine I know how to game the system Come on, come on well, he came from Kiev just the other day Had a smile so big I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you, how's our cash supply? He nodded his head and said Great big guy, but what I really need, Dad, is to borrow the car keys You can take the vet, but watch the boxes, please And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon Classified papers all over the room When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'm getting good and high again, Dad I'm getting good and high again He pointed out the reason why he regrets it Is he didn't anticipate that that folks like Giuliani would use it to, in fact, try to embarrass his father Yes, they are They're flat thugs Come on This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn I stole an election and my son moved away I called him up just the other day I said you owe some cash, I want my cut today He said, calm down dad, you know it's on the way But my laptop is gone and now it's on you And now we're both really screwed dad And now we're both gonna be screwed And as I hung up the phone it occurred to me He was damn near dumber than me My boy was dumb as me And there was Hunter in the basement with a silver spoon All of our crimes were coming out real soon 
When's it all in, son? I don't know when But we're gonna end up in the pen, Dad We're both gonna be in the pen I am absolutely certain, 100% certain That at the end of the investigation That I will be cleared of any wrongdoing God save the queen, man Can you dig it? <laughs> We, uh, <clears throat> we've been uh, keeping our powder dry for a few days on that one. Uh, I, I was really, really hoping we'd get to where we needed to be with respect to an investigation being started into all of this based on the text message, based on uh, the eyewitness testimony, the whistleblowers, and more. Uh, but it's still to come, apparently, which means we are going to be making good and judicious use of that. That, by the way, was born of a meme. You may have seen it online. There's a meme that's kind of bouncing around. It's just got a picture of Joe and a picture of Hunter with the line of that Harry Chapman song, Cats in the Cradle. Uh, you know, and uh, before I knew it, my son was whatever the heck the line is, uh, but my son was just like me. As soon as I saw that meme, which is just that one line, I wrote the song. And I sent the song to our amazing production team, Dale Officer and Johnny Hiles, phenomenally well produced. Phenomenally well produced. That is Hunters in the Basement as opposed to the cat being in the cradle. Uh, it's on my Twitter. It's uh, it's my pinned tweet, so if you want to share that with anybody, you can do it. Go to uh, France Rants, or just look up my name, Pop France, F-R-A-N-T-Z. You'll find it. It's my pinned tweet. It's in a Vimeo format, so you can share that, uh, share that video and that song with anybody that you wish. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again to my guests, Peter Kersenow. Thanks to uh, Gordon Chang. Thanks to, as I said, Johnny and Jimmy for getting us on the air. And Johnny and Jimmy and Mary, uh, Marianne and, uh, excuse me, Johnny and Marianne and Marcy are the team. Thanks to you for listening, being a part of the show. Be well, be safe, and stay free. We'll see you tomorrow on Always Right Radio. Have a Let's day. go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 